Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Boulat, and today I'm excited to be joined by Carly Brooks, who heads the Advanced Markets Group at John Hancock. Carly has been um, talking to lots of people about tax planning, income tax planning, capital gains, and she's here today to give us some great ideas and talk about how John Hancock is really helping their clients and advisors prepare for what's what we see coming. And a lot of that has to do with proposals that we're seeing from Washington. President Biden got a large COVID relief bill passed. He's introduced now two infrastructure bills, which he's focusing on as two different things, but really they're a lot of spending to boost what he sees as um, needed things within the American economy, but they have to be paid for. So there's been a lot of discussion about tax rates, changing the tax structure, doing away with step up and basis. And Carly and I are here to talk about what we can do. None of us has actually been elected to Congress, so we don't do legislation. Our job is to help you help your clients prepare for whatever Washington brings. So Carly, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much, Kristen. Happy to be here. So let's talk about this increased focus on income taxes and, and you know the increase in individual income taxes, corporate capital gains. How are you helping advisors and their clients get themselves ready for the unknown of the looming specter of tax changes? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, and I'm sure you've you've seen this yourself. Right now, there's a lot going on. You know, we've seen a number of different proposals out there, a lot, a lot circulating. There's a lot of unknowns. Um, and so I think that's where there's been certainly a renewed interest in a lot of the concepts that we talk about every day and a really exciting time as planners to be having these conversations with our clients. So I think that, uh, you know, at least the clients that a lot of... Hold on. So, I, you know, I think the, the key takeaway here is that it's getting people talking. So we're having, um, you know, renewed conversations on things like income tax planning, taking a look at how do different strategies fit into a client's overall plan in light of what might be coming for, from a tax planning perspective. So, uh, you know, one thing that's really been speculated on is could we see increased income tax rates? Uh, it's been proposed that we could see an increase in the top rates to 39.6% for high income earners, which is still, as we know, not fully defined. Uh, there's also this capital gains, the capital changed in the capital gains rate, which you know we'll talk about momentarily. But the key takeaway, I think, is that when we have increased income taxes or the potential for that, uh, there really is an opportunity for clients to um, really be considering different strategies to build tax diversification into their plans. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that you guys at John Hancock have been working at really positioning yourselves to be prepared to help clients with this, with a focus on accumulation strategies inside the life insurance. And, you know, one of the first things that came out of the first infrastructure proposal is a potential increase in the corporate tax rate. Was reduced in 2017 under the Tax Cut and Job Act to 21%. Now it looks like it's about to be a, the max of maybe increase could be around 25%. In terms, it's all speculative still, but I think you had some interesting ideas of ways that corporations, even at 25%, they have a lower tax bracket. So ways that they can help their key employees and their high earners. 
So with, with some life insurance strategies. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a good point. So in the corporate space, when you have corporate tax rates that are at you know twenty one percent, or maybe it's could could be increased to twenty eight percent, or where where you pointed out twenty five percent might be where we end up, um, that really does present a unique opportunity to fund uh, to use life insurance to um, fund non qualified deferred comp plans. So there's this idea of finding the lowest tax bracket and buying insurance at that place. So for example, if we have a C corporation rate that's twenty one percent, or maybe it's twenty five percent under the changes potential changes, a client's individual rate um, is maybe 50% when you're factoring in state income taxes, um, you know, and the highest federal bracket. So that's going to make things like split dollar really efficient and really attractive for a lot of clients. So this idea that you can use business dollars at the lower bracket to fund the insurance need and uh, have the insurance owned you know, by the client, maybe it's the business owner or a key employee to, um, to help mitigate some of those, those taxes where you're, you're finding the low tax bracket. So I, we've, we, I expect that we'll see a renewed focus uh, on some of those types of strategies. And I could also imagine corporations being interested in strategies that fund life insurance, but also generate corporate deductions. Are you seeing absolutely. some of that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's always sort of a balancing act when we're working with business owners. And I know probably many people listening have have clients who are business owners. And there's often a lot of competing priorities, especially when you're thinking about uh, both creating plans for business owners as well as trying to retain key employees. And so you, we talk a lot about what are the costs of turnover for clients? Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, and then there's a lot of balancing when you're designing a plan that's going to be attractive to a key employee where maybe you have um, corp the, at the business level, they're looking to have tax deductions, golden handcuffs, things like that. But the employee wants to have sort of free reign to use the policy for uh, for their own supplemental income needs. So, you know, I do expect too that we we could still see an up, an uptick in things like 162 bonus plans with or without a restrictive endorsement. Um, you know, where you have have clients who would like to use the life insurance policy for supplemental income downstream, and then the business is going to get a tax deduction today. So, I think those types of planning techniques, you know, I'd expect them to be um, you know pretty timely in the upcoming um, months or years. I, I do really think that one of the interesting things about using life insurance in this employee benefit corporate space is that it's actually beneficial to both the employer and the employee. You can either do split dollar and the corporation gets repaid the money and the employee gets the income tax-free death benefit and cash value where you can do 162 bonus where the corporation gets a full deduction, can gross it up so that it's income tax neutral to the employee, and then the employee gets the tax-free benefit. So unlike other strategies, when you fold life insurance into this benefit planning for executives, you get to benefit both sides of the equation, which I think makes that conversation a lot easier for, for advisors and their clients. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely this idea of a shared value proposition when you're talking about things like executive benefit planning. And we talk about that a lot. So, you know, whether it's a shared value of trying to, um, you know, have tax efficiencies for the business at the business level, but also provide a solution for a key employee um, where, you know, you're, you're protecting your business on the, on the owner side, but then 
um, pr- providing your employee with something that's a really valuable retirement tool that can be used for a variety of different purposes. So we talk a lot about that for why an executive would want to have have this uh, offered to them. You know, it's not just the tax-free death benefit that could be used for a variety of different planning goals for their family, but it's this ability to have tax-free cash value accumulation for supplementing retirement needs. Um, you know, maybe it's combining long-term care protection or uh, you know, other types of wellness components and things like that. So I think that, um, you know, as we design these, what's really cool about these types of plans is that they can be really customized depending on what type of goals the client might have. So, you know, we've seen that where we're designing, you know, two different executive bonus plans for owners of a business, and maybe they have very different planning objectives. You might have one person who's more focused on that legacy protection. So we can structure it one way and you might have someone else that's really focused on, um, you know, building, a, a tax diversification in retirement. So um, I think that's that's sort of where we are and spend a lot of time, you know, in my world is is unpacking what are the goals and how can we create a solution that is going to be beneficial to both parties. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that leads us nicely into looking at life insurance from the individual's perspective, the employee or, you know, the high earner. And one of those strategies, the life insurance and retirement planning, and, you know, it it's, it's always been a powerful technique, but I, I've noticed that it's gone really upstream. You know, it used to be, I, you know, you have a doctor who's got, you know, $400,000 salary and he's going to put $75,000 into it or something like that. And that still works well, but, you know, we're also seeing it go up to the really high earners. And, you know, it, can you sort of set, shed some light into how individuals of, across the income spectrum are using life insurance to supplement retirement, how they're looking at the different tax buckets or buckets of retirement money and sort of doing long-term planning. Yeah, absolutely. So as income tax rates increase, the taxable equivalent yield on life insurance cash values and death benefit, that's just going to become increasingly attractive. So for high income earners in particular, you know, I think that looking at life insurance as a potential source of discretionary tax-free supplemental income is really attractive. And then when you take all of the other living benefits that we can, can design these these um, plans to have, um, it's it's really important for a lot of high high income earner clients that at least you know we see that having this idea where you can have different buckets to pull from to help mitigate taxes, uh, but not just taxes. It's it's everything. It's things like you know mitigating against um, inflation. It could be just you know having a source of supplemental income if um, you know there's certain types of expenses that maybe you weren't contemplating for or. Uh, sequence of return risk is another one that we focused on where if there's market volatility, how does that impact your client's retirement plans and would having an asset that is um, you know not correlated in that same way where you're not required to take distri- you maybe can take distributions from the life insurance policy if the market's down to help preserve your primary retirement assets. those are it's sort of this idea of flexibility, which has been, uh, the theme for the last, you know, it's, it's always the theme that I, and the word I use probably the most is building flexible plans. And when you're looking at life insurance for retirement needs, uh, you know, for high income earners in particular, I think there's just a lot of flexibility there and, you know, looking at all the different risks that we have and depending on the client's age and and their goals, again, uh, we, we structure these differently and the, the conversation shifts that way. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting that one of the things that's driving this conversation about using life insurance to fund supplemental retirement is not just potential tax changes, but also 
I think there's a realization that that old notion of your tax bracket will go down and you'll retire has really shifted. There's, you know, in addition to potential income tax changes, there's this, this idea of I don't want to live a smaller lifestyle now that I'm retired and have some free time. And, you know, so I, I know that you were talking about sort of the diversification of the sequence of returns and, you know, being able to supplement that. Do you have tools or, you know, some like ways to model that to help our advisors really demonstrate that value to their clients? Sure, we absolutely do. So this is sort of what we would call our retirement backstop concept. And so retirement backstop, you know, this is something that we have a lot of marketing materials on as well as we can illustrate this using our um, JH solution software. But the idea behind something like retirement, using life insurance as a retirement backstop is that if you have a client that's coming to you later in ages, maybe they're, they're nearing retirement. So maybe they're in their fifties or their sixties, early sixties, this individual is going to be concerned about retirement risks. And they're, they're going to be thinking about all the different things in retirement years that could, um, you know, could derail sort of all this planning that they've done so carefully. So the backstop story is this idea of, can we use a life insurance policy to offset some of those common risks? So, you know, we talked about things like sequence of return, maybe it's taxes. Taxes is a, is a big one because to your point, Kristen, you know, there are certain assets that clients are most likely going to own like qualified plans. Uh, so if you, ha- most of our clients will rely on qualified plans, IRAs for a large portion of their retirement income, but how are they paying for the taxes on that? And could we extend the life of those IRAs um, potentially by you know taking paying for income taxes via a life insurance policy. So there's a lot of ways we can structure this and model this. And I find that we, and and we do have different retirement risks that we hone in on, but depending on what's really concerning to the client, there's a lot of ways we we can structure that and customize it. And is long-term care a part of that conversation as well? Yeah, absolutely. So long-term care is, it's a hot button item. I think for me and, and many people, it's, it's so important that we're having those conversations with our clients about the need for long-term care and the the costs associated with that. You know, I think there's sometimes confusion about what is and isn't going to be covered uh, for long-term care and, or, and around how, how are you going to pay for long-term care and what, how would that impact um, your retirement income as well as what might be left for a, for a surviving spouse or for your children. So looking at long-term care and the need for protection around that is, is so important. And, um, you know, now there's, there's different ways that we can structure that so that the, the policy could have a long-term care rider included in that, where you can accelerate a portion of the death benefit to help pay for that care um, income tax-free. So that's certainly a key aspect of that, um, of that story. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think that that's important when you're having that sort of long-term retirement planning conversation. So I think it's now time to talk about the potential of capital gains tax increases um, without really talking about it because it's purely speculative and we get to watch Washington duke it out over that. Um, and as our friends at FinSECA remind us on a regular basis, we should not underestimate the personal pecuniary interests of members of Congress. But I do think that it's important to start having conversations with clients about what they're going to do about capital gains taxes. And you know, can you talk to me a little bit about sort of the conversations that you're having, how we can use life insurance to sort of soften that capital gains tax increase, do some tax diversification? You know, as you said, Kristen, the, the policy negotiations around changes to income tax basis rules are very nuanced, very complex. It's something that you know, we haven't seen done before. And so 
uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But the point here is really that it's it's getting people talking. And so we have we have high income earner clients who are sort of keenly aware of of this idea that income tax rates may be changing. We may see changes for capital gain tax rates. And then as you have high income earners and retirees who are concerned about this, you know, I think it just, again, is going to bolster that tax diversification story where we have a need for non-reportable discretionary income tax-free dollars. Um, and then, you know, if we see the basis step up, the step up in basis rules also change, which we were talking earlier, how the step up in basis at death on assets that can create sort of a, a backstop to the capital gains uh, changes because you know if you don't if you still retain the step up in basis, will people just hold assets until death? Um, you know that's possible. But if we see those rules change, uh, I think that there that's really where combining life insurance is sort of um, a really good strategy because now you not only have tax diversification in retirement, but um, that that death benefit could be used to replace the step up in basis at death and pass that um, you know liquidity onto heirs. Yeah. And it seems to me also that it would be a time to start having conversations with clients about single life insurance as well as survivorship. I mean, we talk about survivorship because taxes are due at the second death. But that conversation, can you talk about how that conversation would shift if there's also no longer a step up in basis? Sorry, in terms of the um, why you that, Yeah, that you would end up needing single life coverage too if there's a, a tax do at the first death. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if there's now tax going to be due at, at the first death, I think that's again where we ha see a need for having that liquidity, um, you know, right up front of, of having having liquidity. And we, as we know, the life insurance a life insurance death benefit provides that uh, immediately, which is so important. You know, as we're trying to, um, I don't know what. Sorry, <laughs> I don't that's know what okay. I'm to say here. Um, no, that's fine. I just don't know that I have a like, I, it's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that having single life, you know, whenever we're talking about planning for clients, I think now, so if, if we see a repeal and the step up in basis at death, now we have a situation where at the second, at the first death, there is going to be a need for liquidity to help pay for those taxes. So I think that, um, again, there, there's going to be an opportunity there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this is, as we as we talked a couple different times, this is all such an evolving story where, you know, we're going to be watching the what happens from Washington with sort of bated breath. But I know that at Hancock, you guys constantly paying attention, putting out new pieces. You have a lot of support. Can you just talk about some of the sort of um, pieces that you may have, case studies, ways that, you know, our listeners can reach out to you guys to help, you know, their clients and their clients' advisors? Yeah, absolutely. So um, appreciate you asking that. So I, you know, I think that at John Hancock, um, you know, and specifically within our advanced markets department, um, you know, I'd say our number one resource really is our human capital. So we have a team of attorneys and consultants. Uh, this is all we do all day, every day, and uh, we love doing it. So I think that reaching out to us for case consultation and support is sort of the the best way that I think that we can support you. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we have the ability to create customized uh, we have customizable illustration software through JH Solutions on a number of modules, um, that, including some of the ones that we talked about today. So we can create these customized proposals for your clients. We have a whole library of different marketing materials 
and timely pieces like our blogs and planning and actions, which are case studies that we cover month uh, on a monthly basis and are based on, on real cases that we've worked on. So a lot of resources there. And then at John Hancock, you know, we we do think of ourselves as having the specialty in the high net worth space. Uh, so between our our products and unique product features and our underwriting expertise and things like retention, you know, this is really an area that uh, we try to um, try to provide sort of best in class service for you. So um, appreciate appreciate you asking that in the shout out. <laughs> of course, yeah, anytime. I you know. Um, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, talking about the ways in which we can be helping our clients get ready for whatever comes from Washington and the, the many ways in which life insurance can be used to backstop a plan, to respond to tax law changes, and really just help our clients and their advisors prepare for whatever we may see from Washington. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Kristen. It was fun. Of course. Thank you.